Thaddeus Ellenberg presents Casual Friday. Written and read by Thaddeus Ellenberg. An Easter Tradition. Dear Viv, I'd address you by the formal, more legally apt, as far as the county records are concerned, Vivian, but your mother got the other half in the split. I can't begin to express how much we're going to miss you this holiday. I told Barbara how empty the house is going to feel without the sound of your cheery Easter carols bouncing from the piano room to room like when you were little. But each year we manage. I'm subtle, I know. And it's that infinite wisdom of yours that has afforded you much success in life. A trait you undoubtedly received from me. <laughs> I'm only teasing. We'll give that credit to the private schools. Though I would be remiss if I did not inquire on the health and well-being of your young beau, whom I refer to sometimes in private and always in public as your little project, and who goes by the euphonious and quite distinctive name Derek, tell him we send our love. Along with a 12-inch carrot cake from Eden's Bakery, the one he raved about the time you two just flew in for lunch, I promised myself I wouldn't bring it up. He'll appreciate the gesture. Even though he doesn't celebrate, and not even secularly like we do. I know, I know, I digress. All the same, do warn him, the icing is not of the vegan variety as he insists with blustery conniption. So he'll either need to scrape it off or, uh, I don't know, just relax. Barbara also took the liberty of slipping in some wax grass straws and lavender drops so you two had some goodies for Sunday. She hates the thought of you being without. And I may have snuck in a sliver of hair jerky or two. A little something special for my favorite girl. It certainly would be grand to hear from you. You know how I get this time of year. And now that you're all grown up, Surely spreading your own holiday cheer. And although you may not realize it now, you're lucky, we all are, to have been blessed with such fortune. Even today, at a time when so many are suffering, caught out in the steady, rejuvenating rains of April without family or festive fare, no fennel stew, no deal strata, not even a rosemary parsley puff. And as you well know, when the hibernation of ever-evolving critters comes to a close, and the gray skies of winter give way to the warmth of springtime, your old man starts to get a little sentimental. When the flowers explode with brilliance against the bright green blades of freshly irrigated grass, bringing us one day closer to the big day, to 
Easter. Joyous, blissful, wonderful Easter. I must confess I brought out the suspenders early this year, and my seersucker shorts and jacket are pressed and hanging at the ready. I've been bubbling terribly with anticipation. And what a beautifully magnificent spread Barbara has planned with Horace and Sylvia this year. I'm reminded of those mouth-watering feasts with you and your mother. She at her most unspoiled, and you wide-eyed with wonderment, standing on your toes to get a look over the sideboard. Dandelion salad with creamy watercress dressing, pickled beet greens, mashed marigolds from scratch deviled eggs, braised lemongrass, and of course your favorite, macaroni salad balls. Finding your little fingerprints all over the country house. It just won't be the same without you. Though Sylvia's doing them with capers these days, and they are divine. And for dessert, poison berry laurel cake with the little floral bits why I'm salivating just thinking about it. The dining table in the avian room embellished with holiday cornucopias of spotted eggs and wild timothy grass. Despite your mother's ghastly sinuses, nothing a few bottles of wine before sneaking off to phone the club tennis pro couldn't cure. And in the center, a symbol so succulent, so cherished, on which the entire holiday hinges a bird based to perfection and gleaming in the budding light of spring's midday dawn. Now your old man, even in his most generous self-analysis, isn't much of a marksman until the game is herded in his direction. Then it's open and close season in a matter of minutes. But it was never about that on our outings. It was about spending time together. And yes, the sport of it. For the hunt is in our blue blood. And I'll never forget your first kill. Driving into the nearby town, over the railroad tracks to Seward Heights and the city duck pond, to bag that most flavorsome of festive fowl, the plump and delectably juicy Easter Swan. My taste buds are suddenly at a scurry. As you recall, I was always keen on getting ours early. Now I know you think I bring up this story every year. A conviction I dare not sully on pen and paper, perhaps in the dirt when no one's looking, for fear of bursting into flames, for I am no liar and will take no part in the denial of such a notion. I'll never forget it. The night before, neither of us could sleep me from unrestrained exhilaration, and you doubled over with nerves not wanting to disappoint me. And at such a young age, your mother passed out on the daybed in the sunroom, sedated from pre-holiday celebrations spent locked away in the bathroom. You look so adorable in your little hunting vest, your name embroidered on the pocket, Little Killer. Thankfully, we were able to stitch it back together in the field for our trophy photo. That is, the field next to the playground. 
Those women were nice enough to extricate their children from the premises with much appreciated haste, as their crying was rather stymie in our good time. I had no idea the spray would carry the jungle gym as it did. Naturally, the feathers were going to stick to the children's skin. And in the interest of quality of flesh and out of respect to the animal's habitat, it was imperative that we dressed the swan on sight. Preferably, you want its family looking on so they're able to witness the care and surgical consideration given to their fallen brethren. Plus, the monkey bars provided an excellent choice for stringing up the carcass, a crucial bearing in treating the neck. What a beautiful morning it was. After we found a spot in the reeds to hunker down, I'll never forget. You were so cute. You started naming all the ducks before swiftly moving to the swans. I knew right away that was not going to end well. And that's when we saw it. Which you had christened Snowy too. All 30 pounds of him. The ruler of the Pond Kingdom. The Grand Poobah. The White Kahuna. The first snowy was a female. As you assuredly know by now, swans call for a keen eye to differentiate gender. The pens should, in most cases, be left to procreate. After all, we're sportsmen, not savages. Excuse me, sportspersons. The winds were gentle that day and the waters calm. The conditions were in our favor, if not curbed by a higher natural power for our purpose. He entered our sight. You raised your little BB pea shooter, taking dead aim, true aim, from the boundless depths of your tiny soul at a creature you had already asked three times prior if we could take home. A question I maintain to this day was technically answered truthfully before popping off a shot. I've never been so proud of you, sweetheart. You grazed him, but made contact to my elated delight. I couldn't wait to tell the boys down at the club. The recount of your prevail would surely stifle their insistent giggling when I'm not around, I thought. Alas, you merely winged it. Its calls of distress cleared out the pond in a chaotic instant. Dazed, he flailed wildly, thrashing in a circle with an erratic trumpet. So remember what Daddy did? Now this was back when I was a younger man. I know, you're probably reciting this verbatim, mocking your old man. Yes, so I leaped up, pulled my gut knife, and dove straight into the pond with all my clothes. And wouldn't you know, I dropped the knife. So I paddled feverishly over to the wounded swan and delivered it several blows to the body before ultimately wringing it by the neck for fear of damaging the meat, all the while tenderizing the neck fillets with an exhibition of manly efficiency unmatched to this day, I tell you. I'll admit I was winded, but not as much as him. Trying to coil around my hands, I held firmly to his whipping neck as he let out a bugle. That black, beady eye caught mine and seemed to stare straight into my innermost self. He could sense defeat. And like a deflating balloon whizzing amuck with a screeching honk that yo-yoed in severity, he fell silent in 
mere minutes. And though I've been known to color the brief instant which followed shortly thereafter, stepping from the water victoriously with my prey strung over the shoulder, striking a gallant carriage, it may have been my finest moment. To not later commission it to oils would have been irresponsible. The north-facing wall of the study has never looked so smart. Standing there in the supreme afterglow of my masterful dexterity, that's when I heard you scream. I looked back only to find Snowy One attacking you. No doubt the instinctual response to her cob slain openly and arguably the not-so-cleanest of fashions. How be it effective? Only then did we realize the reeds where we had taken a natural blind was the location of her nest. Remember, you, you couldn't get back to your feet because she kept charging you, lunging, biting your vest and ankles. You, you were screaming with such terror, I thought you were going to wake up the whole town. And you'll remember I hesitated. Clearly, like the proclivity exhibited by the female swan thwacking you in that instance, I could have run to your aid and helped you. But would I really have been helping you in the long run? After all, you were holding your own, keeping it at bay with the length of your rifle. And once the horror left your face, after realizing I was settling in to spectate, your survival instincts kicked in. I watched on with such pride. You got in a good whack, and she began to stagger, had her up against the ropes. Then, with a breathless grunt, delivered the decisive blow before bludging her to death with your rifle stock. I don't think I've ever shown you as much love as in the moments that followed. We patched up your little vest and while you were still trembling with lifeless color, posed for the photo to beat all photos. Which we got on the seventh go after your father figured out the camera timer. You may have been too young at the time to remember it was such a long time ago. But after the cleaning incident with the mothers and their children, our fat, scrumptious-looking trophies hanging in splendor to the envy of other potential hunters in the area, I spent some time talking to those pleasant officers before going with them to the police station. And contrary to what I may have recalled in previous letters, neither of the officers assaulted Daddy with a stern slap across the face while staring unflinchingly into his eyes for a fevered moment. No, no, I, I got that bruise at the station when a few of the detectives and I were tossing around the old pigskin, and one of them foolishly threw it while I was distracted, regaling our tale to a quieting gaggle of criminals and officers alike that had gathered around my feet. Do you remember that friendly female officer driving you home because your mother was too taken by her holiday spirits to come and get you? For her sake, I hope not. It wasn't pretty. Of course, it never was. You were so precious, in a vacant state of shock from all the excitement. Daddy's lawyer was luckily able to get him out of there quickly, as prison doesn't bode well for swan killers. Frankly, albeit a traditional foul, it's a marginal delicacy. 
bitterly social delinquents and the destitute have always had it out for the privileged. Really, Jerry pulled off a miraculous feat there with the judge, given the fact our little holiday bird was a bit of a celebrity. It seems Snowy 2 already had a name, and that name was Clipper. I was unaware of Clipper's harrowing migrational return north on a trash barge, sheltered inside an old cooler with a broken wing. He was found by one of the sanitation skippers and taken to the university. There, he was nurtured back to health over a period of months before being released to the duck pond a few years earlier, which included an inspirationally heartwarming ceremony covered by the local news before being picked up by several national stations. <laughs> Who knew? There were countless articles, even a follow-up on the anniversary of Clipper being set loose, as well as a children's book, which you, in fact, had growing up. After a night in lockup, your mother was nice enough to gather herself and drive it to Daddy so he could have the officer sign it, which took some of my legendary finagling. Remember you took it to the academy for show and tell on what would be your, your last day enrolled there? You'll be happy to know I decorated the wicker dresser in your room with it and a lovely flowery spring stand. And though every Easter hunt wasn't without its issues, some of my fondest memories of ours. Are you still not eating meat? Truly, it would warm me no end to hear from you. But I understand. You're your own woman, and I'm getting up there. I may not be able to take you down to the duck pond for our annual father-daughter tradition. Any of them, for that matter, as you recall, we had to change our hunting grounds each year. But when the radiance of spring rolls round and the sun smiles brightly upon the special Sunday in April, I can look back on the time we spent together and know I did my job. And you're going to be all right. Love, Dad. This has been a production of Thaddeus Ellenberg's Casual Friday. Written and read by Thaddeus Ellenberg. With an introduction by Nicole Kalasich. And artwork by Adrian Lobel. This series is independently produced by Thaddeus Ellenberg. To find more episodes and information, visit our website at tecasualfriday.com or email us at contact.casualfriday at gmail.com.